Welcome to another little episode of Half Hour. Uh, I'm Taylor Harlow, and I'm joined today by the artistic minds behind uh, a new theater company here in Kansas City, uh, bringing professional theater to the community for free, which I think is pretty fan friggin' tastic. Um, the one, the only, Nathan and Elizabeth Bowman. How's it going, y'all? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm not bad. I've just been hanging out at my partner's place in Rockford. We've been able to sort of ping pong back and forth between here and Kansas City uh, in the midst of the pandemic and sort of split time between both of our families, which has been um, a gift and challenging in other ways, but mostly a gift. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. How has this all been for you all? Weird. Uh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody like, else, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I think the weirdest, like, of course, like our careers are totally like different looking now, but like I did like my year end, like, I wonder like, what was 2020 like for me? I'm like, oh, I was like pregnant and then I gave birth and then now I have like a seven month old child that's been in quarantine this entire time. <laughs> yeah. So when was, when did you have, I'm sorry, what's your child's name? Her name's Eleanor. Eleanor. When did you have her? Um, in May. Oh, I am a May baby too. So you're going to have a little Taurus on your hands. <laughs> yes. Um, so wow. What was the experience of like being pregnant in the midst of a pandemic like for you? Well, I got special treatment for a while, which was kind of cool. Like I got to go with the old people grocery shopping <laughs> really early. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge benefit. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they would like clean everything for me. Totally. And before all the good shit is gone, you know, you get exactly. the prime stuff. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I can't cool. want to get toilet paper. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's a it delicacy was, nowadays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, that was weird. Yeah. And then after having the, after having Eleanor and spending that time in quarantine, what has that been like? And how was it different from, I guess, what you were anticipating? A lot of alone time. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I guess the, the typical, like, people, like, come to the hospital and see you. And then, like, come, like, bring, like, we had a weird, like, uh, my baby shower was, like, right before, like, lockdown. And everybody was, like, is this what's happening <laughs> you know and like right. some people are like there's like a virus and i'm old so i'm not gonna come <laughs> um but we don't know and so like it was a smaller type of deal um it was, it was a lot of just like not knowing what was happening like we didn't know if nathan was gonna like be in the room when i like gave birth <laughs> um wow Mm -hmm. I was though. I got it to was. be there. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Justin, that is just yeah. wild. I mean, having to roll with all those punches with something that is like so delicate is, I, I don't know. I commend you. That is not, I, that was not an easy feat, I imagine. It takes a lot of like flexibility and, and you know, trust. So that's yeah. really awesome. And like um, something really cool about our theater community is like we had so much support from afar. Really? <laughs> Yeah, so like, um, like Heidi Van has been like super supportive, um, like she always is. I'm sure it wouldn't be any different, but um, like she's like, here's this stuff, <laughs> you need it. <laughs> um, and so like, 
she has clothes for days now. Yeah. Um, well, months, years, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Angela at the rep was wonderful. And she put together like a meal train for us. Um, and lots of theater folks like came and brought meals. So we didn't have to cook. <laughs> and That's we could the It definitely like, it was one of those things like, like we, we've always been a part of this theater community, but like we really experienced what that kind of meant in a very different way because of the amount of support we were given the, during the first few months after, uh, after having Eleanor. It was, just, it, was, it was crazy in like a very good way. Like we were just like, oh, we really do, we really are a part of the community and that means something. And, and that yeah. Was, yeah. It's so, it's so special to feel that bond and like know that people are there to have your back. And, and maybe what you're saying is like, you hadn't so much been on the receiving end of that support, you know, right. and to find yourself there is like really cool to know that people still got your back, even in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, so let's get to know y'all a little bit. Are y'all from Kansas City originally? I'm not. No. No, I'm from Nebraska. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm from like uh, Excelsior Springs, which is just like 20 or so minutes north of here. So, yeah. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. And how did you find your way uh, into Kansas City, Elizabeth? Well, so it all began <laughs> <laughs> in like 2008 when I met Nathan. Um, we went to college together in Northwest Missouri. Oh, cool. Um, and Kansas City, like, he's a year older than me. And Nathan got a job at the Red, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what happened? Um, he was here, bef- like, while I was still in school, he was here working. And so then the natural progression was like, oh, I'll go there. Um, because then we got married. Oh. You know, like, eight years, 10 years, 12 years later, had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in your hometown of, um, in, in Nebraska, was there a lot of like arts and theater there? Or how did that sort of come into your, um, you know, your perception? So I'm from a very small town. It's called Wahoo. Yes, mm-hmm. Wahoo. <laughs> um, it's right outside of Omaha and Lincoln. And we always like, there are like kids who are really interested in the arts. And we had some really good arts teachers. But like most towns and schools, was not given a lot of attention. Um, but my mother is a theater teacher, and so, oh, so you know, it was—it's in your blood. I tried so hard not <laughs> to do that, um, but here we are. Um, so I did have a lot of exposure to the arts and to theater my entire life. Um, like my mom was an art teacher too. Like she teaches like visual art and performing arts. Yeah. Was she teaching at a high school? So when I was a kid, she was uh, an art teacher for elementary school. And then she did not teach at the high school until I graduated, which thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) She was looking out for you. Yes. (laughs) But now she actually, she does teach um, at the high school that I went to. Um, she's their drama teacher. Very cool. So did you grow up having, like you said, like what, what did it look like growing up? Were you like in rehearsals or just like sort of running around with clay all the time? Or? Most, yeah, I was mostly <laughs> running around with clay all the time. 
a lot of paint. I, I did a lot of visual arts when I was a kid. She'd sign me up for like camps and stuff, like mm -hmm. to go do like summer plays with like other kids and things like that. Um, but she, my mom, she's like arts are always a very big part of growing up. Um, but also, I don't know. It was I also played softball for twelve years because there's nothing yes. to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> gotta I have something to do so like your parents don't murder you when you go home because yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and well, in a similar way, I mean, there's an interesting like dynamic that's present in sports that's also in theater. You know, that like team building thing. We're coming together to like make something bigger than all of us and you know, we all sort of realize we have a place in this, you know, and a, like a responsibility here. Hi, Eleanor, what's up? <laughs> she likes to be on screen. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's aware. I sense a movie star. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Nathan, how did you find your way into um, the arts world? I basically, uh, I had a really good theater teacher in high school. Like that's basically what it was. I didn't really, I didn't, my family, um, not, not really much of an artistic background. Um, I really liked music growing up that, and that was about all I got into art was I, I really liked music and, and was playing music a little bit before I started theater. But, um, basically I, I, I was in high school and they like made my schedule for me and I <laughs> needed an art selective and they automatically enrolled me in drama one. And I was just like, what is this? I don't want to take this class. But then I had to take the class. And sure. part of the uh, requirement for the class was that you had to audition for the school musical. Wow. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh. So I did. And, um, and so I was cast. And then like, basically just been doing theater ever since. <laughs> but so I had a really have a theater teacher. And so then, and, and that was really, like, you can vouch for this. Like, friends that I'm, I still have many like we had such a community in that high school in the theater department. Mm -hmm. um, several people that I did theater with in high school are like on our board of directors now. Like we still talk to each other and are great friends because we had such a great theater teacher who yeah. really, every, like just really brought us together. Yeah. You have a lot, like it's shocking how many working theater professionals came from that teacher too. Um, her name's Rebecca Browning. <laughs> yes, shout out. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. And like, this is sort of your mom would fall in this camp a little bit, but folks who are high school arts educators are like really doing the Lord's work in my mind, because especially, I mean, in most places, I feel like the arts are pretty underfunded, but especially in places like the Midwest, like to seek out kids and to inspire them and to like bring them into this like niche thing, I think is just such a really cool and I imagine very challenging role to have at most high schools when you're sort of fighting for funding and stuff, but. Oh yeah, the deck has to be stacked against you. Like way, way more than, or maybe not way more, but like kind of feels like it's always stacked against us in the arts anyway. Like even if <laughs> you're in the professional world, it kind of is. Yes. So like, when you're a high school teacher trying to do it, it has to be, it has to be, yeah, really challenging. I was actually just venting about this today to my girlfriend because we were looking at buying a house soon. And so I would call Bank of America to get pre-qualified. This is so boring. But they, they ask for two years at a job. And I'm like, okay, but I have like, I was at a job for a year and a half, but then I worked at several other small contracts. And they're like, oh, well, if they were 1099, that technically doesn't count as core income. So you won't qualify for this loan. And I'm like, 
how does anyone do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, we've gone through that. We we just literally went through that. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, it's like all of we're like, yeah. It's, that's how it is in the arts. Is your contract to contract? Like, yeah. And they're like, you don't work. <laughs> and they just they just think you're unemployed. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I have twenty contracts. <laughs> it's so funny. And then the same thing happened a couple of months ago at the beginning of the pandemic when we were trying to buy a car. And originally we were going to try to both be on the title, um, but because she is currently unemployed, because she is, she's in a Broadway show, but it's obviously currently shut down. So they just view her as unemployed. And they're like, well, I guess he qualifies for the whole thing. I'm like, when she is working, she makes so much more money than I do. <laughs> it's just, it's wild. But yeah. I, to sort of bring this full circle, I think that might be why we create such nurturing and supportive communities because we kind of have to be there for each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's true because like the, it's like the, the economic structure of this country is just not built for us. <laughs> it's just not. Yes, it's true. And yet we add so much to it. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, so how did the, the dream of Casey public come? Like, where did that come from and how did it come into fruition for you two? Hmm. Sorry, big, big question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many different answers, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, I think we always like begin, like uh, starting a theater has always been something that we've been interested in, even when we were like 18. Oh, that sucks. That was a <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, so I think that was always in the back of our minds. Um, like I, I know that like we took, even in like undergrad, we took classes in like management and like all sorts of things because we're like, oh, this was might come in handy, I guess. Um, and then we worked for a while, I guess. And I think the inspiration, like for me, I got burnt out um, because I was doing a lot of theater that I didn't like. To mm, talk about that. And what role were you directing or acting? Yeah, mostly directing. Um, but I was like, ugh, like I do not want to do another Neil Simon play. <laughs> like, it's just not. Can we be done with the Neils, Simon, Labute? We can. <laughs> there's so much better stuff. And like, but that's what, you know, you're making your money doing, um, that's what people like want to see. Um, and I just, I was just like, why am I doing this? I was like thinking, should I leave theater? Should I just have a completely different shift in my career? Um, and like, I'm on lots of things. Of course, there are a lot of like social issues <laughs> that like, you come across in theater administration. So that I was working um, as an artistic associate. Um, and it wasn't as, like, there's just a lot of, like, gross stuff that happens. And it's not necessarily even oftentimes the company. It can be the patrons yeah. um, that do stuff. And then lack of... Um, repercussions <laughs> uh, accountability yeah um so like that whole 
mess was like, I'm like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's wearing on my health. I was getting hives in the bathroom. (laughs) That's how you know. (laughs) I was like, I can't. Um, And luckily um, Marissa Wolf, she was at the rep um, as an associate artistic director. Um, Now she's at Portland center stage. She um, was like, why don't we go to coffee and talk it out? And I think like that was pretty integral, integral, integral? (laughs) 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 Um, to my like getting the ball rolling catalyst and like just doing what I want. Like if I'm producing, then I don't have I can, I don't have to listen to other people. I don't have to listen to this guy who just smacked this actress's butt from the audience. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and, yeah. Like, I don't have to be polite about that. If it's my deal. You can you hold know? the people accountable because you're the one writing the checks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and so I was like, okay, maybe she has a point. Maybe we could do something. Um, and I think that's where I came in with Okay, Nathan, we're gonna we gotta start a company. Yeah. Um, where where do you come in? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot of that's you know basically I share very similar views there, which is just um, we we just got like I think we, we yeah we'd always talked about wanting to start a company um, and just got to a point where we just said you know we we want to produce theater the way that we want to produce theater mm. and. Um, and so at a certain point, you know, we wanted to just produce work that we liked um, for audiences that we wanted to be producing for, which was very important for us as well. Um, I was basically, I know like the impetus for like, okay, we're, we're doing, like we've been talking about it for a little bit, but the sort of impetus for like, okay, let's do it now was I want, I, I, I wanted to produce a show uh, somewhere. I won't say where. And, um, and for various reasons that I disagreed with, uh, they, they would not allow me to produce something in the way that I wanted to produce it. And so that's when I came home and I was like, let's just do this thing. Let's just start our theater. And this is going to be the first show we produced. <laughs> yes. And um, the show was, uh, was our adaptation of Medea, by the way. I'll say that's what it was, our adaptation of Medea that we did in 2018, 2019? 2018. Like, yeah, yeah, it was 2018, yeah. We so did that at the... The amphitheater outside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did it as part of Casey Fringe, but then we also did the amphitheater performance because Fringe required that we charge ticket prices. Um, but since our mission is to do free theater, um, we we did the amphitheater performance uh, so that we could have um, free performance of it as well. And that was the other thing is that like you know we wanted to produce what we wanted to produce, but we also wanted to produce it for the people that we wanted to produce for. And for us, that really meant, um, cause we were, one of the things that really frustrated us about, and, and still, you know, it, it's still one of our, um, I don't, I don't wanna say critique or something like that, but I mean, it's, it doesn't take, a lot of people look at going to the theater and they see the ticket prices and they're like, sorry, you know, right. and, that, and that's just the reality of theater is that the tickets are super expensive in most places. Right. And, um, and that's fine. Like we understand that, you know, so many places they need to do that because that's how their models are, you know, that's how their business models are. But we were, the way we were thinking was, you know, 
that just prevents so many people from getting to experience theater. We just want to completely remove that barrier altogether. Yeah. Um, and so that was very important for us was, was if we were going to start a company, we wanted to make sure that anybody could come see a show. Yeah. Um, and so that's how we, that's kind of how we started. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic mission too, especially because as far as I'm aware, the only three theater in Kansas city is Shakespeare in the park in the summer. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. As far as I'm aware. Um, and so I think that's a really, because most other major cities do have some sort of public arts program where there is free access, you know, to year round programming. Um, but yeah, that's something I've been chatting about with several other folks on here is, uh, what makes theater accessible or inaccessible to different kinds uh, of, of people. Um, and I think you all are doing really awesome work to try to combat that a little bit because traditionally theater is really hard and expensive to go see, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think part of, that be, part of that comes from the fact that generally it is very expensive to produce because you have to have the same people doing the same thing every night. And that's also simultaneously what I love the most about it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be expensive to produce, um, which is why we're also one of, you know, we, we try to, we're, we're always experimenting with different ways of producing to try to offset those costs, which is why we try to avoid doing too many shows in very traditional theaters. Um, well, because those are expense, that's expensive, but also um, part of the accessibility thing for us is that if you've never been inside of a proper theater before, that can be very nerve wracking and that can be an accessibility thing. You know, like how do I dress? What am I supposed to, you know? Is how, it okay to laugh? Is it okay to laugh? I feel that way sometimes when I go inside some theaters that have, you know, everyone is dressed up and I'm like, I, I don't even belong here. I can barely afford these <laughs> tickets. Like, and yeah. I am sure that I am I'm much more privileged than a lot of other people that I hope would mm -hmm. be interested in seeing theater. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, it, it, is, it is expensive, but we're always looking, we're always trying to find new ways of, of producing to try, to try to offset that, yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, what were y'all working on before the pandemic and how did it sort of affect your um, momentum or what you were planning, you know? Well, we did have to, so we had our, our spring main stage that we were gonna do um, in 2020 was an adaptation of August Strindberg's A Dream Play, um, which we were really looking forward to. Uh, but we, that's the one we had to cancel was Dream Play. Uh, that season, um, both of our main stages were very, very loose adaptations of August Strindberg. Very um, fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Elizabeth uh, adapted and directed Miss Julie in the fall, um, which was a lot of fun. And I was going to do uh, a Dream Play. So that was the one we had to cancel. And then um, our theater lab, which is our monthly kind of developmental series with local playwrights, that one we just, uh, we moved online and then just thought of different fun, fun ways of doing theater lab online. So we did a, um, we did a devised theater uh, project where we had, um, over the course of a weekend, we had 30 plus playwrights contribute to a single script. And they wow. each, got, each got one hour over the course of the weekend to contribute their part and then we had uh, a cast of actors read the script out loud 
as, as our virtual theater lab. And it was nonsense. <laughs> it was fun. It was, it was utter nonsense. Very fun. Yeah. We got 30 playwrights contributing to that. And then the next month we did an online 10 minute play festival. So yeah, the theater lab was pretty easy. Maybe not easy, but um, we found pretty good ways we think of, of shifting that to a virtual setting. Um, so yeah, we did have to cancel that show. Yeah. And like some of our, it wasn't our original programming, but we thought it would be best for everyone. Because it was at that point when everyone was like really anxious. Um, and like, I have to work, I have to work, I need to do something. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Which like, you know, might not have been that healthy. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it um, happened nonetheless. <laughs> it happened. And we were like, you know, why don't we all, like, we're all kind of aching to be together. Yeah. Well, what if we can get it was unjuried for like the devised projects like whoever wants to be a part of it can be a part of it so we have people who are like really like fresh playwrights with some very seasoned playwrights and it was fun because uh i think it was good for you know people's spirits so they could interact with one another and kind of joke and have something that's not as serious as a pandemic on their mind <laughs> Definitely. I think that just offering some sort of community at all right now is fantastic. And I really do applaud you, you all and anyone else who has been able to produce anything in this time. I just think it's really, it's been cool to see the creativity that is forced from the pandemic. And a lot of the times it's been, it's forced us to go outside the normal traditional proscenium theater, which I find like fucking exhilarating. And I'm like, can we do this all the time now? Like, let's not forget this. Like once we can all be inside again, like I hope we're not just inside all the time. Yeah. <laughs> or it's in true, traditional but... spaces or always, you know, set up this way. You know, I, I hope yeah. that it's sort of taken the blinders off a little bit to theater makers, at least theater mm -hmm. makers with a lot of resources <laughs> who have the means to produce things in unconventional ways because I think that can then trickle down into smaller companies doing the same thing. You know, if we sort of start to train that audience a little bit to like not always expect the same proscenium like experience. I, it is true. Like, I mean, this it's, you know, challenges like this is, I mean, this is, these are when the arts get really creative and innovative and it doesn't mean it's easy, but I mean, there's always, I, I, in five years, I, I hope that we're talking about the interesting things that came out of this past year. Yeah. Like, I really hope we're talking about interesting shifts in the industry because of this year. Um, I don't know, maybe we won't, but I, I yeah. I hope we are too. What, mm -hmm. what shifts are you all excited about or hoping for or looking to once we're able to gather again? Is there anything that you feel like carries you know, you want to carry with you from this pandemic into how you produce theater, or sorry, yeah, from this pandemic uh, afterwards into, you know, how we gather and produce theater or, you know, personally or for the industry at large. I know I just asked you a hundred questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really do hope that there was a lot of promises made by theaters over the, you know, past year. And I really hope that we don't be, we don't forget we don't forget that we're going to be more inclusive. We don't forget that um, we're going to be accessible. Um, it would be great if more theaters had more accessible options um, or even like, I don't know, 
<laughs> I, I think like just a hot, just to jump on that, like we, we are seeing a lot of theaters just because I think of the nature of online programming, that, that online programming is a little bit more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I really hope that, I really hope that that sense of accessibility translates to a lot more theaters when we come back to whatever we, it is that we come back to. Um, I, really, I really hope that, yeah, that, that can happen. Because um, I think one thing that all theaters are recognizing at this moment and it's nobody's fault because nobody saw this coming, but, but so much of, of, of standard theater practices at the moment, and this is for Casey Public Theater included, I'm not saying that we're not a part of this as well. So many standard traditional theater practices I think we're finding out are, are relatively unsustainable, you know, because, I mean, we can just look at what's happening in the industry and see that. And so, um, um, so hopefully, you know, I don't know some. <laughs> some I don't know what we I'm trying to say. Hopefully, yeah, I know. Yeah, hopefully, it's a lot of time to figure it out. The the struggles that we're going through right now are in many ways like kind of illuminating things that we can work on or or eliminate or you know you know fix going forward. I think from you know the way we produce to accessibility, which I think would be a huge one as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we've been learning a lot. Um, one interesting thing we learned is. Um, our, our playwrights that we've worked with this season, um, like the talkback sessions online seem to be going really well because like the audience can, the, our talkbacks are basically hosted through the comment feed on the videos through our Facebook. Cool. And that's, like, that's been something we've learned is that like people are commenting via the comment feed on Facebook. In real time. In real time. So like the playwright can go back through there and see, oh, at this time in the video, this person commented this. And like, so the playwrights are now given like a very specific way of seeing how people are interacting yeah. um, with their play. And, and we never saw that coming. And so that was neat. That's a super useful tool to them as well. And to, mm -hmm. you know, be marked in there exactly at the time is, is a really useful gift, I imagine, as, a, as someone who's crafting that language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely didn't see that happening though. We were like, oh, we hope this isn't the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can I can tell you that it, none of it none of it has been. So okay. don't don't you fret. Um, so I can't believe it's already been thirty minutes, you all. I could I could truly <laughs> chat for a long, long time. Um, yeah. I feel like we've just scratched the surface on some of this. Um, what do you all have coming up um, in the next? This will probably come out in a few months. So anytime around like March or so, anything that you all will be working on that you can sort of plug right now? Yeah, so uh, in March, um, the first Monday of March, uh, we're gonna be doing the second reading for a play that we're producing called The Holy Trinity. It's written by our resident uh, playwright, Priska Jebet Kendigore. This will be our second reading. So the, the way we're, we, this is our first season with a resident playwright, so the way that we're kind of working with her is that we're developing a play from scratch. So she had one reading at the beginning of the season, March will be the second reading, and then we're gonna fully produce the play. Um, and that, with things shifting because of COVID, that production will probably be early fall. And then, um, and then we're looking forward to June when we're gonna um, produce a socially distanced outdoor production of Oedipus the King. Um, which we're very excited about as well. Very fun. Yeah. yeah. 
y'all love the Greeks and I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And say that again. I said Greek tragedy is kind of my thing. So <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, where can we find you all like on, on the interwebs? Yeah, so we're um, pretty much everywhere at at Casey Public Theater. And then our website's caseypublictheater.org. Fantastic. That's it. it. We have If you let us know, we can, you can come to our office. (laughs) (laughs) Just for fun, if you want to hang out. If you want to hang out. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing um well y'all thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me today i really appreciate it yeah, yeah this, is, this is fun it's really fun um i look forward to seeing the rest of your theater labs and seeing the rest of what y'all are cooking up i can't wait eleanor can't wait either can't. <laughs> yeah clearly she's very excited for oedipus <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she knows all right y'all well, i will see you later have a good night all right thanks for talking yeah. see you later